Hello and welcome to French Football Weekly. I am Philippa B and I am joined by uh, Rich Allen. Hi, Rich. Hello. And Jeremy Smith. Hi, Jess. Hi. So Chris, unfortunately, can't be with us. He sent a message earlier saying he'd been posted out of the area today. So we're all just hoping they put enough stamps on him and we can get him back for next week. So we're going to plough on with uh, a roundup of what has happened and what might happen in the not too distant future. So starting with Le Weekend Kifu, um, the results were we had a catch-up game after the Coupe de la Ligue, which uh, saw Rennes and Monaco draw 1-1. Um, that was last midweek. Uh, Joris Nyanyan opened the scoring for Rennes. Uh, Ronnie Lopez, who else, uh, got the equaliser. Um, then there was a massive chance for Huno, who headed wide versus an open goal in no. injury time. But fortunately for him, that was not the biggest miss of the week, which I think we'll come on to. Uh, so moving on to uh, game 32. Uh, this started on Friday night with Saint-Étienne drawing 1-1 against PSG, which might sound brilliant, but they were opened the scoring uh, on the 17th minute through Remy Cabela. Cabela then missed a penalty at about the half-hour mark, um, and uh, PSG then went down to 10 men before half-time. So Saint-Étienne really had a great chance to, um, to get uh, three points here and put the hammer down on PSG. Unfortunately, that didn't quite happen. The miss of the week was, I'm sure we've all seen the video, Cavani threw on an open goal. I think it was Pastore put the cross, uh, sort of a square ball across to him and he he put it wide. And it, it was quite astonishing. Just uh, any words on that um, particular incident, either of you? It, as I said at the time, it was the ultimate Cavani. Edison Cavani did the ultimate Edison Cavani. Mm-hmm. It was uh, it was appalling. It really was. It's there's two. I mean, that's that's the worst of of his collection. But there's too many of them. And you know, as you said before, if you get 150 chances a season because you're playing for PSG, you're going to score 30 odd goals. But the true, really, really top, top world-class strikers don't have that many misses to their name. Yeah, I think my feeling was, yes, obviously it's a horrendous miss. It's possibly his most egregious ever. It's certainly the most gifable ever. We've all enjoyed it. But my main point was, what the fuck were uh, Saint-Étienne doing letting that happen um, when they had the man advantage and you know, Cabela was actually the closest person to Cavani when he put it wide, which is not, defensively speaking, what you want to be happening. So I was very disappointed that Saint-Étienne did not... It looked like they got scared and panicked at the end when PSG did, you know, really go at it and go for the equaliser. But Saint-Étienne could have got so much more out of that and so gutting that the equaliser was basically the last miss kick of the game, an own goal from Mathieu Debouchy. Uh, still thinking, put him on the plane. But anyway, so PSG drop points, but frankly, they don't care. Saint-Étienne care a little bit more, as we will come on to a bit later. But then we moved on to Monaco beat uh, Nantes 2-1. Goals from uh, Falcao and Ronnie Lopez again. 
after Nantes had opened the scoring through Thomason. Um, on the multiplex on Saturday evening, we had Gangon putting four past a woeful-looking uh, Trois. Goals from Benze, Lilas, Ngabokoto and uh, Jimmy Brion getting one in uh, injury time. Uh, Toulouse lost 1-0 at Dijon. That man, Quan again. Um, and... Bordeaux beat Lille 2-1 after Lille again went ahead through Mothibur in the 14th minute before a double in just before halftime from Francois Camano uh, got Bordeaux the lead and Lille also had Mendes sent off for two tackles, uh, two yellow cards in two minutes uh, after about the hour mark, which really didn't help. So all of the um, sort of 17th, 18th, 19th all lost there, which again will be important later. Um, we also had Angers and Strasbourg drawing 1-1, uh, Amiens beating Caen 3-0, and then moving on to Sunday, Nice and Rennes 1-1, which we'll come on to in a bit. Mets were hammered by Lyon 5-0, Memphis Depay getting one goal and four assists. He is the very player, uh, as that uh, Lauren Paganelli uh, interview uh, that's also doing the rounds will have told you. And we finished off with Marseille and Montpellier playing out a goalless draw, which frankly all of us could have done without. So one of the key matches there was Nice won, went Ren won um, on Sunday afternoon. Um, goals from Alison Player and Benjamin Boigo who also had an attempt from 50 yards that was just tipped over the bar, uh, which I'm sure Rich was greatly enjoying. But Wren are, are in a good place right now, Rich. How does that feel? And how do you see it going? It's, it's unnerving. It really is. You know, we've, um, there's been too many full storms of late. Um, and, you know, secretly, I think, and, and if every Wren fan was to confess... We're getting a little bit excited that actually European football is within our own sort of destiny, if you like. It's in our own hands yeah. now. Um, but of course, I think, again, if every Ram fan confesses, there's a feeling of, oh, we're, we're still going to throw it away. Um, you know, and as I say, it's, an, it's a feeling that there's just another false dawn. So it, it's tempering that excitement with the sort of cynical realism of being a Wren fan. Um, I, I, I was very, very impressed over the two games um, Wren have played recently, at home to Monaco, away at Nice. Um, you know, I don't want to dwell on the Anu miss in the, in the Monaco game, and I'm really hoping that come Ooh. the end of the season, it doesn't prove crucial, because it is a, it's a horrible miss. Um, it's, a, it's, a, it's a brilliant move mm. to, to eventually get the ball to the byline, cross comes in, it beats the entire Monaco defence, beats... Uh, super and goal. Unu has got a little bit of a diving header, complete open goal, two yards out, skews it wide. And I, as I say, I'm praying that doesn't come back to, to haunt Wren because it would be really unlucky on Unu and the club itself that a, a mistake like that cost them um, mm. a, a spot in the Europa League. But, you know, we saw what that Wren have really, I think, improved mentally, especially in that game against Nice, you know, they went behind, they started quite well, then went behind to a deflected Alisson player goal. And I think the Wren of old would really have struggled to have come back into that game. But they, they reacted positively. 
They got an equaliser only 10 minutes later. And probably, by and large, across the whole 90 minutes, were probably the better team, just about. Um, I think they were raided by a couple of Nice players, especially Balotelli, who had an absolutely appalling game. Um, but it's, it's, it's a really encouraging sign that, that Lamushi has come in, has, has not had to do a great deal, but he's got the side believing in itself. He's got a settled 11 now. I'm still not totally convinced Ben Tabaini is the left-back of everybody's dreams, but we seem to be going with that plan at the minute. Um, and for the time being, it's, it's just about working. But there's a solid centre-back pairing, a really good goalkeeper. We've got Andre and, and Perchich in, in the midfield. We've then got Borrego, who's proven to be one of the signings of the season, on, on the right, Ismail Assar on the left. Kazri, who's another potential signing mm. of the season, just off um, the Afrosako. It's, it's a really settled eleven now. Um, and that, that in, you know, cliched as it is, it, it's, it's such an important thing for a t- you know, successful team to have that. We saw it with Monaco last season, how consistent that 11 was that Jardine put out week in, week out. So I'm, I'm really impressed with what Lamouche has done because I had little to low expectations when he was brought in. He was a bit of a left field appointment. Um, but I can only be full of praise for what he's done to the team. And I'm, I'm really hoping it's, it's a tricky run in Ren have got, but I'm really, really hoping that, that, that they can pull it out of the bag. It's, well, it's, I'd say it's middling. Um, your problem is that um, sort of Montpellier's looks easier. Nice's looks slightly harder, possibly. Uh, so Ren have got to play Metz, Nantes, Toulouse, all very doable. Strasbourg. Yep. Uh, and then PSG and Montpellier to finish the season. So the next four games are going to be the ones where you need to, to kind of bank points. No offence, Jez. Um, to, to try and firm up that, that fifth place. Jez, how do you see, you know, the, the development uh, from Ren over the, over the season and their chances of they're in fifth at the moment, maybe hanging on to that uh, fifth spot? Um. As someone from the outside, um, without all the sort of pessimistic baggage that comes with being a Rennes supporter, I said at the start of the season that I think they had one of the best summers of any team um, and that, frankly, they should be challenging for Europe. So, I mean, actually, I think they're probably in the position that on paper they should be in. But obviously, earlier in the season, they were struggling and, and Lamushi really has turned things around well. I think it's helped a lot that Sarah's come in and is now being played in his position rather than as a centre forward, which I just don't think he is. Um, Bourijot, <coughs> I've been a fan of for a while since I had him um, as a Le 50 profile quite a few years ago. and mm. you know, I, th- I think he was sort of quietly one of Lance's better players the last three, four years. I think that was an excellent signing. Um, Perchich, I'm um, interested to see that he's now getting regular starts for similar reasons. I liked him a lot as, um, when I did his Le 50 profile, but he never seemed to really kick on. He was sort of in and out of the team. I think he went out on loan, didn't do particularly specially wherever he was. So, um, you know, I think Perchich Andre is, is a really nice um, mid midfield central midfield twosome and yeah as, as as rich said that if you can just get a consistent 11 who are, who are playing well and able to um pick up 
um, automatism, so say French, mm. um, you know, just from being used to playing with each other, knowing where each other's going to be, developing, you know, like, like Monaco did yet last year, you know, however dodgy Ben Sabaini is on the left, having him and Saar getting used to playing each other on one wing and, um, well, you know, Zefan this time around, but a relative consistency, two very talented players up front, Kazri, um, I saw he was, he was one of the nominations for the, um, for a African Liga African Player of the Year, and Rich said it was between him and Toko Akambi. And I had I to check. We're all going to go Toko Akambi, aren't we? Probably. <laughs> I'm not absolutely. Sh- I'm not sure about that yet. But I wasn't sure if Rich was joking that Kasri was a, a genuine contender. But the fact that I wasn't sure shows that he's doing something right. That um, you know, he definitely deserves to be talked about in that list um so yeah as i said i think they they i don't think there was ever any argument that they've got a very talented squad there it's just a case of putting it all together and, and getting some consistency and lamushi who a lot of people were, were unsure about when it when he when he was given the job I mean, you know he's, he really has I'm not saying turn things around because all through the season they were there were certain matches and they were playing well and just others where they wouldn't turn up. But he's getting them to to play to their strengths and to their potential week in week out, which is all you can ask for from any team. Mm. Well, so what we're seeing is is fewer, uh, not as many of those really poor quality games. Whereas before it would be two good games, two bad games, two good games, two bad games. <coughs> We're now on a little bit of a run. I, there was two stats I dug out over the weekend which impressed me. I, I wasn't aware until I'd looked into it. But since week 21, so we're looking back to mid-January, only PSG and Monaco have taken more points than Ren. And since that, in that same period, only PSG have conceded fewer goals than Ren. Uh-huh. I thought that they, they were two stats that I think were very surprising. I mean, I know Ren don't concede a great, a great many goals. And I think Thomas Kubek has been... Yet another who could be who could be in with a shout of of one of the signs of the season because he's made me not want Costille back at the club in the slightest, which is it's sort of heresy for me to say that. Um, but he's been he's been absolutely brilliant. I mean, with with Jelan and Yanyon now settled as a very young, still pretty inexperienced centre back pairing, but you know there's still the odd error there, but there's some real promise there and. That, that solidity then just spreads throughout the team. And I think just to quickly touch on Kazri, um, he still has those games where he disappears and is completely anonymous. But I think, by and large, his influence over the team um, during his time with Wren is probably the only reason I would have would look at him as a, as a, a serious contender for that um, League and African player prize. And he, he, of course, will be looking to have a big World Cup as well. I think uh, particularly Msakni's out for Tunisia, who's their normal number 10. I was wondering if maybe Naim Slitty might uh, uh, get a bit more of a run in, in on that front. So Kasri is going to be very important for their chances at the World Cup. And it's a, it's to also, a certain extent, you, you can sense him kind of gearing up for that, I think. Perhaps. Yeah, it's also shot window as well. He knows he's not going back to Sunderland. Yeah. Um, so this is his. This is his. It's one of those that you kind of forget that they actually belong to somebody else. <laughs> yeah. Um, so we've so Ren are in fifth at the moment, and it then it's a little bit 
of uncertainty as well as kind of the the, the clumping of the results because obviously fifth place will get Europa League. Sixth place might, dependent on the Coupe de France play out. Now the semi-finals are next week. Caen are playing PSG, and then we've got two national sides, Les Ebier and Chambly, playing off against each other. So you kind of, you know, we all want the Magie de la Coupe to happen again, but it's kind of looking like PSG have got that one as well, in which case sixth place opens up. So this is, you know, a kind of a, a fight that's got two chairs to sit on because we've currently got Lyon in third and Marseille on fourth and 63 points. And there's a big drop down to where Renard on in fifth on 47, followed by Montpellier and Nice who are both on 46 and then Nantes are on 44. They may have shot their bolt, but Saint-Étienne, and this is why I was so mad about them um, messing up on Friday. They're on 43. Obviously they'd be, you know, up there, um, uh, up there a bit a bit closer if they'd held on for for the win so looking at that race for europe of those teams Rennes, montpellier nice nantes saint-etienne who'll get fifth and if sixth gets it who else do we see being in there jez um i mean if it's if it's based on football <laughs> i mean as in something that I'd be tempted to pay to watch, then I hope that it's Nice and Ren. <laughs> Understood. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah, Montpellier have the second best defence in the league, 26 conceded, as opposed to Paris uh, PSG's 22. They're not great with the scoring of the goals. I think that also close to breaking to Bordeaux's record for the most draws in a season. Yeah, they've got 16 which is frankly ludicrous. But if you look at it, it's because they've played their eight matches against the top four. Yes, they got hammered 4-0 at Parc des Princes, but all of the others they drew. So seven of those 16 draws have come against the top four. That is pretty impressive. When you think about it, it's just possibly not massively interesting to watch. I was no, I was being harsh before. I think what Montpellier have done this season is brilliant, and they deserve <laughs> the place. You know, they've been there probably more consistently than than mm. than any of the other teams, and in that sense, you know, that they deserve to to still be right up there at the end of the season. But I'd rather watch. <laughs> well, we, we saw we saw Lille finish third a couple of seasons ago, playing arguably even less attractive football than 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 what Montpellier are putting out. So it's an effective. You can't knock the effect. You work with what's mm. good for you, and that's what's good for Montpellier. And yeah, well, Mourinho's and, and, built a career on it. So <laughs> yeah. The fact that we you know the fact that that, that Vitorino Hilton's still going, still yeah, oh, only, only just though. Jesus, did you see that penalty <laughs> shout at the weekend? I mean, oh, that was a nailed-on penalty. I don't know what he thinks. Conspiracy. No, I did did get the feeling that in that match you were kind of watching Hilton age. Which, there was, to be fair, there yeah. was another. I think you had another promising move where he sort of ended up bringing the ball out of defence and halfway into the Marseille half as well. So possibly he was still suffering from that. (laughs) He never used to cross the halfway line. Uh, Bless him. Anyway, so so we've got them and Nice, obviously, are the other package in there. 
as you said, Balotelli didn't have a brilliant, um, brilliant game at the weekend. Um, they've Play, got players in fantastic. Form he is, moment, he is wonderful. But they, they've got a a kind of tricky. They've got the hardest running, I'd say, of the three we're talking about. They're playing Angers at the weekend, then Montpellier, then Strasbourg, then Marseille, then Caen, then finish away um, with OL. So. There's going to be some tricky games for them to to navigate there, um, but you know it is uh, three teams within two points there. Do Can we... I a quick start mm? on the Marseille on Nice Marseille? Marseille have played of the top eight. Obviously, you don't count Marseille, and they've got Nice to come. Um, they haven't won any of their other six home matches against the other top eight teams. Hmm. Just to make more Marseille friends. <laughs> <laughs> Moving on from Jez's <laughs> ongoing campaign to make the entire county of Marseille hate him. Um, of the ones that are just below that route, Nantes, like I say, it looks like they, they, were, they were fifth pretty much forever and have now dropped down to eighth. They've won lo- one in nine. Yeah, it looks like they've kind of shot their bolt there they also have a kind of eh, eh, one of those run-ins which is you know could go one way or the other but there's no gimmies in there and there's no um you know so it's going to come down to whether they can get a bit more attack going and ninth obviously is Saint-Étienne on 43 do we see either of those or possibly one of the lower teams kind of streaking up the table Saint Etienne maybe yeah, more the, likely. It's, it's, it's the it's the form, isn't it? And mm. you know, Nantes are sort of sinking and not in a not in a great place at the minute. Saint Etienne are on a, a flying flying run at the minute. Um, it's going to be interesting to see how they take the game away at Strasbourg at the weekend. Bearing in mind how close they came and the dreadful fashion they conceded that goal against PSG. Mm. Um, you know, it's going to be. I want to see how they react to that and. You know, from a Ren fan, I hope they they really struggle. Uh, <laughs> but you know, I, I like you know, I really I have, and this is another foreign thing that I rarely say, but I've really enjoyed watching Saint-Étienne lately, and it's mm. it's nice to be able to say that and yeah. and watch that. So, from that perspective, I want to see them react really positively and really well. But I'm afraid I'm my 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 Ren hat back to hats. Mm. Ren hat is is firmly staying on on this one, and I'm really hoping they they struggle. You can yeah. certainly be sure that Strasbourg are going to put in a hell of a lot more effort than PSG did. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, Saint-Étienne, I think they're now unbeaten in 10 in the league. I mean, that is pretty damn impressive. Um, so, and the thing is, Strasbourg are th- unbeaten in three, but those were against Toulouse, Stras- uh, Toulouse, Metz and Angers, and they didn't actually win any of them. So... Mm. Strasbourg possibly still in um, uh, a slightly shaky situation given that they've got quite a tough run in. Obviously, they've got Saint Etienne, then they play Amiens, then Nice and Rennes and OL, and then finish with Nantes. So, you know, they, they might not have a very comfortable end of the <coughs> season, although, you know, hopefully they'll, they'll be okay from there. So, when it comes to that race, four, fifth, and or sixth, um, 
Jess has gone with who he wants to see. Um, <laughs> who do we think is going to get it, though? Jez, fifth place. Um, <laughs> I think... Uh, I think Montpellier will maybe get sixth, and either Nice or Ren will get fifth, but I'm going to sit on the fence. <laughs> Rich, I think Montpellier might nick fifth. I think they they have a a slightly easier run in than certainly the main rivals. I think around them, I think Nice's run in looks really tricky. Mm. I think they might be the team to miss out. I think Nantes' form probably rules them out, and I think Saint-Étienne have perhaps got too much to do. So I, I think Montpellier will nick fifth, and I think Ren will hold on for sixth. Mm. And uh, I think that uh, Wren are going to do their goal difference, a bundle of good, because uh, they're playing Mets and Toulouse in the run-in. Um, and I think that final day game, which is Wren versus Montpellier, could be uh, the decider for fifth place. So that I really, could be. I, I, I really hope it is. <laughs> I really, because I can see it because it's happened before a 90th minute Daniel Congrey winner. In off Hilton's ass, <laughs> something like that. It would be. Oh yeah. So we'll we'll see we'll see. But that one looks like it's going to be uh, a very interesting race. But then at the other end of the table, and um, as I said, we had some some key games here with the bottom four all losing at the weekend. The red zone of those four is four points off the next kind of bunch of uh, bunch of participants. The relegation race. This Mets aside might not be as clear cut as it looks at the moment because of the run the run-ins. The runs in, the run-ins, whatever. Um, because if you look I would at the... dare to suggest that if Mess could summon the mess of December, January. Yeah, you've got one of the easiest run-ins, to be fair. Um, again, no offence, but Rennes, Caen, Lille, Angers, Amiens, Bordeaux. I mean, that is, in points terms of your opponents, kind of the second easiest after Marseille. So, but it's six points they've got to make up. So, yes, it's... It's an awkward situation, but it it is not done yet, which I think is, you know, hopefully uh, keeping the fire alive a bit. It did look a bit like they'd given up against Lyon on Sunday. Uh, oh, they defended very badly. I wouldn't say they mm. gave up. They had, I mean, Lopez pulled out three or four very good saves. And Mess had five shots on targets. Lyon had six. They were just clinical. Mm. So, um, so I, I would I would potentially argue with that race at the bottom. I I do think it's just come down to those three that are that are in the trouble the trouble at the minute. If we're sadly writing Mets off, um, I I think it's going to come down to Lille, Toir, Toulouse, and if that's the case, I think Toir are doomed. They yeah, have a, they, they have a dreadful running. Well, they, they have really to play Om Ol and Monaco in amongst. Caen, Saint Etienne, and, and Montpellier. So that's very tricky. I Look, yeah, I... Looking at the group of, just above them, there is that four point gap, and Amiens 
are on 37 points and they look safe, but their running is horrendous. They have to play all of the top four as well as Metz and, and Strasbourg. So even though they appear to be clear of it right now, you're looking at them and Caen and Strasbourg have very difficult run-ins. So if they can't pull it together, it's an opportunity for one of those teams in the red zone to in the bottom four to, to claw think, their way up. I think Amiens have got enough. I, just, I don't yeah. think enough of the teams below them will catch up. I think Caen similarly might have enough, in which case for the second season in a row, they'd have been very lucky because I think they're awful at the moment. Mm. I mean, so they've got they very three of the bottom the four to play in the next three games. So if they win all of those, the fact that they then play Monaco, Nice and PSG, they might already be safe. But they need to take advantage of the fact that they're playing Toulouse, then Met, then Toi in the next three games. Yeah, I think I, I just think there's a, there's a, there's enough of a gap for that that group that just sit above Toulouse. Mm-hmm. I think there's enough of a gap that you know they may struggle to win any uh, another game this season. But I just don't think the teams below them either perhaps have that quality. Now you make the argument that obviously Khan are playing a number of those teams below them, mm. but I just don't see the, the the number of wins that they will need. Yeah. coming from those teams. Now, if you're going to base it just on those three, I've, you know, I write off Toir because of that dreadful run-in. Toulouse yeah. on paper have the easiest run-in out between them and them and Lille. Yeah. Um, so it then just, it's then going to come down to a straight fight uh, between between those two. So, mm. uh, and you know, conveniently enough, penultimate but one game of the season, they play each other, which is going to be terrific for... You know, a league game fan. It's going to be awful for being if you're a Lille or Toulouse fan. Absolutely awful game to watch. But for for the rest of us, we can look at that game and think, "Hey, this is going to be it's going to be a bad game." Be, football, but it might be awful to watch as well. Yeah, it's not it's not going to be a fun match to watch from an entertainment point of view. But for the sheer drama of what hangs on this hmm. and that game, it's going I'd, to be. I'd, I'd guess punch up flares in another couple of stadium bands, frankly, because it could all. We'll go a bit tits up from there. Um, in terms of we've uh, just to remind you, it's two definite relegation places, and 18th goes into a playoff. Jeremy, please explain the playoff situation from League Deux because this this had passed me by again. Okay, so I think they've sort of m- mixed up two good playoff systems. I like what they did last year where you've got the bottom two going down, top two going up, and then third bottom and third place playing each other. Mm -hmm. Um, I also like what they do, for example, in rugby league where, um, and possibly in the the French rugby union, I'm not sure, where um, sort of depending on where you finish, there's playoffs where the higher you finish, you get a bit of an advantage. They've kind of mixed the two up. So Ligue 1, it's definitely bottom two go down and 18th going to a playoff. Ligue 2, definitely the top two go up. Then third, fourth and fifth go into a playoff. So fourth place hosts fifth place in a one-off match. Then third place hosts the winner of that match in a one-off match. And then the winner of that one 
plays 18th place in a home and away two-legged affair. Right. I mean, no, I guess it's that's yeah, I mean, quite I, a lot. I think we could all see what they were trying to do, but we'd question whether they've actually managed it. We're not a I million mean, miles off Belgian levels of confusion. Yeah. Well, in, I, I mean, just... last... I don't know if the thinking was that last year League Do was so exciting there's so many teams involved that will give them all extra chances but then I suppose that takes out takes away a little of the drama from that we, that we had last year in League Do. Um you know in theory you can be sixth place three points behind fifth place and still being with the chance of promotion on the last day I mean you know, it's, I, I still think the whole idea of playoffs full stop is a bit silly and just the money spinner and that's probably the thinking behind this but also you wonder if it's something that Ligue 1 have quite gladly supported because I guess it gives 18th place a, a slight slight advantage in that whoever they're playing would have played two or three high pressure extra matches at the end of the season already when they meet them hmm. So that's all to watch out for over the next couple of weeks um particularly we'll try and get chris to give us a, a league de roundup uh, if he's back next week uh, to see how that's panning out obviously there was the horrible news during the week um that a youth team player for love i think um died and they were playing they were due to play a match behind closed doors for disciplinary reasons ask the lfp if if that player's family would be allowed to attend so he could be given a tribute and the LFP apparently has said no, which strikes me as being a massive PR shoot yourself in the foot moment. Um, so there's some uh, questions about that that might still be overturned if um, someone comes to their senses at the LFP, but we'll see if we can get you a, a league de roundup uh, when Chris is back next week. So moving on... Um, one of the other things that's happening, of course, is that Marseille are the sole remaining uh, waiver of the flag for France in European competition. Now, they went away to Rebel Leipzig, Rasenball Sports Leipzig, sorry, uh, last Thursday in the first leg of the quarterfinals of the Europa League. They lost 1-0, but given the team they had to put out, I think that was pretty damn impressive. They didn't have any centre-backs as they were playing Bubakar Kamara and Luis Gustavo, both DMs, at centre-back. And uh, they did a decent job. Um, the odds on Marseille have been, you know, lengthening melodramatically since, you know, kind of the previous Friday night when the precise scale of the injury list became apparent because Mandanda was out, Rami was out, Rolanda was out, Tovan's out. And so we ended up with this weird situation where you've got two DMs playing at centre-back. Um, and they did pretty well and they kind of kind of killed the odds to a certain extent. Uh, I saw Elf and Elf had the um, XG analysis was 1.1 versus 1.11. Uh, it was that close on terms of the actual shots that, that were put in because OM did have uh, some good shots. The Leipzig goalkeeper made, I think, two saves in kind of 30 seconds just before the break uh, that saw, uh, was it Timo Werner, Timo Werner get 
get the goal in injury time of half time uh, in the first half. So it was kind of really gutting because Marseille were very much the underdog here because particularly of, of the squad selection, but they ended up really, really putting a shift in. 17 shots to the host 10, three on target to the host one. Johan Pelé uh, as backup in goal did not have the best night, obviously letting in the only shot on target. One thing we just have to mention is that it was uh, the substitute goalkeeper, which was possibly the uh, most surprising addition to the team sheet. If you saw the OM English tweet before the game, now swiftly deleted, which um, featured on the subs bench number 40, Ports of Call. That's what happens when you put Florian Escala's name through auto-translate. Um, so that was uh, very amusing um, as, a, as a starting point for that match. But OM did really, really well, but obviously lost 1-0, which really means they have to win by two on Thursday back at the Velodrome. I think they've got a very big advantage in that Leipzig were forced to play last night. And I mm. think that's a really quick turnaround for them. And yeah. they and they lost four one. Yeah, quite, they were beaten quite comprehensively. But I I know, saw some Marseille of that. You got the impression really can't complain this time about. Yeah, no, 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 I mean, entirely not. But I think um, RBL may have rested one or two people, which may have explained some of the that hammering. But they went ahead, and then all four goals they shipped were in the second half. So yeah, I mean they had they had. The spine there, they had like Pomecano, Cater, mm. Werner, Forsberg, Paulson. It was still a pretty strong team mm. by their standards. So. Yeah, so it's uh, I mean, the interesting thing there as well is obviously from a, from a French point of view, Jean Kevin Augustin is kind of playing his way into um, into the, the lineup there. And yeah, the centre back pairing, which we saw in the first leg, it was Diopa, Meccano, and Canate two French teenagers as centre-backs. I'm not sure Canate played on Monday. He didn't. But no, Upper Meccano definitely did. So it's going to be really interesting on Thursday. We'll have a preview up on the site, which will be looking at some of the odds as they change and the stats and, and the squad news and everything. But Marseille really need to win by two to go through, given the, the, the way this is structured and given... You know that you're looking at Leipzig and thinking, well, they're going to score. That means it needs to be three-one. Is that going to be possible, given that they've still got some big injury worries um, and uh, absences? It's going to be a really, really tense night at the Velodrome on Thursday. We think so. That's one game to watch on Thursday. Coming up at the weekend, what are the games we're looking at there, chaps? Jez. What's the one you're going to be making a note to watch at the weekend? I mean, the obvious biggie is um, first against second. Um, And a lot, again, depends on whether PSG can be bothered to turn up. Um, You know, once they're they're knocked out by Real Madrid, they're pretty much on their holidays. You'd have thought a match away to Saint-Etienne might have sort of roused them for their, from their slumber, and it didn't particularly. Um, but uh, I think this one maybe will do. Hmm. Um, maybe because 
obviously the League Cup final, we, we were saying, oh, maybe Monaco can do something here, and they definitely didn't. The PSG might swan into this thinking, oh, yeah, this will be easy, and Monaco might actually try this time. I think, I think that's very harsh. I think 3-0 was very flattering for PSG in yeah. that final. Um, I, I can't see Monaco getting a win. I mean, until earlier this season, they did have a reasonable recent record against PSG. Um, and they have, you know, they have the quality there. As you said, Lopez is in fantastic mm. form. I think he's the top scorer for 2018. Um, Balde, Jovetic, if he gets, if he, I don't know if he's injured at the moment. Um, you know, been popping up with goals. Falcao's finish the other day was was excellent against Nantes. I thought. Mm. So we know they've got the quality, but you have to think that the PSG will win out. But I think Marseille not winning um, at the weekend takes a little bit of the pressure off Monaco because they've got that, that little bit of an extra gap there. So even if they do lose, so. I think they can play relatively freely, and and yeah, I, re- I really think a lot depends on which PSG turn up. But at home after that match the other day, I'd expect them to be a little bit more motivated than they were. Hmm. You Rich. never know; maybe Tuchel will be in the crowd. And <laughs> bit, yeah. Well, pa- pa- Pammy was in the crowd for um, Marseille Monaco. Yeah, yeah. Looking I as thought Rami as had the- one of his best games. Looking as bored as the rest of us. Um, Rich, what do you think about uh, PSG-ASM? Uh, well, I mean, it's. I think we're all perhaps falling into the trap of of, of how what we were how we were well how we were predicting the Coupe de la Ligue final will go, where we think, oh, you know, Monaco could take advantage of this, and we're only we're only going to be let down by, you know, a curious selection. Um, from Jardim, as we as we saw in that that final, or uh, either way, I think I think it's it's perhaps a little foolish to go. Let, I mean, let's go in there and be nicely surprised if Monaco mm. do. Uh, um, and, and and let's hope Andrew Raju is not playing at left back. I think <laughs> would be, would be the other thing there. So moving on from that one, which in a sense is it's kind of purportedly the big match, but isn't maybe that interesting? Are there any other games coming up? in this weekend that are interesting. I think we've got our eyes collectively on one down at the bottom in the relegation race. Con versus Toulouse, possibly. Oh, without a doubt. Without a doubt. It's it's the game that's got most riding on it. I think a calm win there probably puts them safe. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, we've talked about that... uh, They've got a slightly awkward run-in with, with playing a lot of rivals in and around that, that relegation um, fight. You know, this is a game that they'll have marked they have to win. This is a game they really need to win. Um, you know, from a looking, looking outside and in, it's a game that if they win, yeah, I think they probably will be safe. They, I don't think they can have that attitude because, of course, you know, they may take their half the ball, this, that and the other. But it's only a game I think they can win. Simultaneously, of course, Toulouse, you know, they've got, as I said earlier on, they've got probably of the three that are in real trouble. They've probably got the slightly easier running, but this is another game. They'll think, you know, we win this. It's a big step towards safety. It potentially drags someone else into into the, the sort of mire with them. Um, 
you know, they'll know that, that Lille are going to be up against it again because it looks like their game's going to be behind closed doors at home to Gangong again. And that didn't go well um, a couple of weeks ago against Amiens. So it's going to be, it's, I stress, watch it for what the, the sort of outcome of this game will be. Don't watch it expecting high-quality football. Well, I, I, I was going to say stress. possibly follow it on an MBM rather than actually watching Possibly. Well, I think I think it's going to be I, what I think we're going to see is two teams who are going to be really up for it. You're going to see a lot of passion. You're probably going to see you know a little bit of the rough stuff. Um, it's not going to be pretty. Zach against Crivelli. Could be oh just... Jesus! Um, <laughs> yeah, so there could be a punch up on the uh, Saturday night multiplex, which this forms part of, along with Strasbourg attempting to uh, get themselves. Um, a little further away from the the red zone, uh, hosting Saint Etienne, which might be a big ask. As you say, Lille uh, hosting Gangon in what could be their last chance to kind of at least make it look like they want to stay up. Uh, we've also the got the thing with Lille non- is they they seem to keep throwing away leads. Yes. Um. So you know, at least they're sort of in there and fighting. And yes, um, and then about. 30 minutes in stop doing that yeah which has been something of a you know i dream of following a team that actually gets in a position to win in the first place (laughs) oh dear are you okay love i am but i i just i just have a feeling that lila are going to get out of this um I, i i think i genuinely generally agree with Rich that it's out of the, the, the current bottom four, but I think Lille are the ones who maybe will get out of it. So, Gangon, Marseille, Metz, Toulouse, Dijon, Saint-Étienne is their running. But the thing is, if they looked like they could pull themselves together and put in a fighting performance, possibly that would have already happened. I, it's very difficult to call it. It there's you kind of t- keep t- waiting for them to do something and then it's another, True, they, they go they ahead only, and then lose. I mean, they probably only need to beat Mess and to lose and they'll probably be okay. I'm not I saying that's you, going to happen, but, you no, know, we saw, you saw against, you saw against Lyon that they really do have the capability. Um, and I feel like, you know, if it clicks for one match, they really seem to be a confidence team because they're so young. So much of it seems to be based on confidence. And I feel like if they can somehow scrape one win, I think that could pep them up for, for the rest right. of the season. Well, they're going to, on which, uh, do we know if the behind closed doors thing is fixed term or is it one of the LFPs until we decide otherwise situations? Because obviously that's not going to help if you know they they need uh motivation if they can't have the fans behind them um, <laughs> I mean, not arguably them, obviously, it would <laughs> yes the fans are a bit pissed off at the moment but you kind of feel that you know when push came to shove they would go out there and support the team and and you know try to, just to in the next stadium just put a cassette of cheering just put a cassette on over the tunnel oh, you know uh, tunnel bloody yeah. capo sings all the songs but it's tone deaf um <laughs> really get a recording of the marseille crowd and play that in well Lille. um i saw 
so he's trying to share the video with us but uh we're having some issues at the moment um someone from european football weekends was at uh marseille montpellier at the weekend and got footage of the um the uh fumigens should we say uh now Marseille were under a partial stadium ban. One of the tribunes was shut, so everybody was in the other end. Uh, the Fanatics were having, I think, their 30th anniversary. So there was, you know, a big, um, you know, party going on. And then I think just before kickoff, um, Montpellier, the travelling support, all kind of 32 of them, um, set off a bunch of flares and actually chucked one towards the celebrating uh, home fans. Uh, who then set off their flares and threw one back at the Beaumont. It's um, a little bit of a mess, and you imagine the LFP will be fining and banning more people as a result of all of that. Um, but, yeah, that was that was quite interesting. If you can see footage of that, there's a lot of smoke and a lot of red light. That's all I'm saying. So um, that's what we've got coming up. We've got... Uh, Marseille attempting to get through to the semi-finals of the Europa League um, this Thursday and we've got all of those matches league on coming up at the weekend is there any other business um, either of you guys want to mention I'm all good all good uh, so I think we should just give a little nod to uh, Les Bleus uh, the French women's team who have been playing a couple of friendlies recently as they continue to uh, get into shape under Corinne Diacre. They beat Nigeria 8-0. So I think that's going to be good for everybody's mood. Um, but more importantly, possibly uh, on Monday, beat Canada 1-0 through a penalty from Eugenie Lezoma. Um Later on in that match, Amandine only had a penalty saved. Uh, obviously, Canada's goalkeeper I forget her name. She's very, very good. So um, in the preparation, obviously, going towards uh, the 2019 World Cup, which will be in France, Colin Diacre is picking at least some teams who are challenging after the She Believes Cup earlier in March. So Les Bleus are looked to be on a good run, and we hope that continues. Um, so... Looking forward to the next weekend, as as we said, we've got uh, games finishing with PSG Monaco as the big shock on Sunday night. But possibly your more interesting games are actually happening on Saturday evening in the multiplex, mostly Caen versus Toulouse. Keep an eye on that one. It will be key for the relegation run-in. So... We hope to have Chris back uh, next week to discuss all things Europa League and Liga. So uh, if you have any questions, do get them in on Twitter or uh, on the website under in, as a comment to the, uh, the podcast article. Otherwise, we will see you then. So thank you very much from me, uh, Philippa B, with Rich Allen. Thanks, Rich. Thank you very much. And Jeremy Smith. Thanks, Jess. Thanks. Speak to you next week.